1: Well, hi and welcome back and I want to thank so many of you who have recently hit that red button which is the subscribe button so you're not missing any of these wonderful podcasts. Thank you and if you haven't I have a gift for you if you do if you hit the red button and you subscribe just put in a subject line to an email to me valerie at valerieandcompany.com and in the subject line say subscribe and I will send you a gift. It'll be an article I wrote on how to work in this disruptive world. I think you'll like it. You know, this podcast is a way of expanding the message that I have had for 25 years in my leadership training and coaching company. And that is, you know what? If you'll just lead with your integrity and your values and be authentic and don't try to be someone you're not, you will make your mark and it will count. That's my message. Make your mark and make it count. Now, how do you do that? I say two ways. All leadership development falls really into two buckets. It's your presence, how you show up. How do you communicate? How do you work with other people? How do you uh, build relationships? How do you show up externally? What's your image, yes? And then it's the internal part, your personal brand. Who are you really at your core? And are you exuding your brand and everything you do. So I'm grateful for this podcast. And I'm more than grateful to have with me today someone very special, Dr. Kevin Whelan, who came over last minute really to discuss some things about this COVID-19, the vaccines, those of you who had questions ahead of taking them, It, the vaccine, and those of you who had questions, you sent to me after you take it. So I really wanted an expert to come on the show and maybe debunk some of the myths and really get to some of the realities of these vaccines today. So, Dr. Whelan, Thank you so much for coming You're very over. Welcome. It's my I honor. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, I have to brag on you. So your oh. title is you are the chief medical officer at Baylor Scott and White Heart and Vascular Hospital here in Dallas. Correct. All right. Firstly, just, you know, how did you become a doctor? Did you know when you were three that you wanted to do this or what?
2: I, You know, it, it's a... Um, it's a simple story from my perspective. Um, I always enjoyed uh, science. In sixth grade, I was fascinated when we had to dissect a frog. Oh, um, I and, didn't
1: like that at all, Doctor. I Sorry. Loved it.
2: <laughs> I, 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 It just seemed to click as something that fit, just like you know, uh, other people who know they're an artist. They pick up the first crayon and they're creating something amazing at age two.
1: That makes
2: sense. Um, and. You know, my father had been in the business world, um, and the only advice to me that he ever gave was uh, be your own boss so that your successes and your abilities are reflected in your achievements. And um, whatever career you want, and it just seemed logical. I liked people, I uh, liked helping people, um, and science. And so I said, "Well, it seems like being a doctor would be a good thing." And I never, I never really gave it much other thought. Um, that's just what I was going to do. And so I went through the pathway of you know the educational requirements and. And always maintained an interest in science and got involved in research in high school and things like that and it just was sort of a um, uh, I'd made the assumption I would get into medical school I worked pretty hard Uh, I was um, gifted I guess academically in terms of being able to do well on on tests and and uh, and grades and um, here I am
1: and how did you select the field.
2: You know, when you go through um, medical school and you first do what are called clinical um, rotations or clerkships, um, where you're actually engaged in interacting with patients, every rotation I went through I enjoyed except one, and that was pediatrics. I, I mm-hmm. knew that, that being a pediatrician was not the right fit for me, plus I was sick with whatever viruses those kids... <laughs> Those kids had during my entire rotation, <laughs> and so I said, you know, I can I could cross this one off the list, and um, I, you know, I sort of vacillated a little bit, did some different electives, and and finally, really found a passion around cardiology because it, it was one of the fields that that blended um, physiology, fluid dynamics properties of physics with actually doing something for patients. It mm-hmm. was a common condition, and um, back in the ni- uh, the early 1980s, I went to medical school in 1980, bypass surgery had only been around for you know, a decade. Uh, there were a lot of advances on the horizon, and I, I just was fascinated by the... Um, Elements of, of the beating heart and how it affected people and consequences, heart, heart attacks, and what we could do to, to um, help treat that, and have been blessed with a incredible, you know, to, to now 41-year career wow. of being involved in every major advance that's occurred in the cardiovascular field. It's really been amazing and, and uh, exciting. And I guess, you know, looking forward to the future my only regret is at some point I will pass on and not be able to see all the exciting discoveries <laughs> that we're setting the groundwork for. Well, maybe for you will,
1: maybe you, you never will.
2: Know. Uh, no, you never know, but, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's a wonder, wonderful career. I've been very, very fortunate.
1: Well, we're very fortunate you chose the career. Since you mentioned research, I know from talking with you, doctor, that you've done a lot of research and that it actually excites you. I have a lot of questions about the COVID uh, Mm -hmm. situation, particularly the vaccine. So with your research Mm -hmm. and with your data, Mm -hmm. caveat to say, but please make it really simple so my simple brain can understand these things. I want to ask you questions that people have asked me to Mm -hmm. ask you. So let's take the first part. For people who have not had the vaccine, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're even considering not to take the Mm -hmm. vaccine, Mm -hmm. the simple question is, would you tell them to take it or not?
2: Um, Absolutely take it. I mean, at this point, there are very few um, categories of individuals in whom um, we would have reservations about taking the vaccine. So there's no data in young children, but in young children, this particular virus isn't that much uh, of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the evidence that has emerged and the technology behind the vaccine development is uh, incredible. I mean, 95% effectiveness is amazing with really relatively minimal Adverse side effects. Um, yes, there are a few people who have a bad reaction, but you know, go back a few years ago, one in forty thousand people dropped dead after taking a dose of penicillin. But it revolutionized our ability to treat a whole variety of, of conditions. And in in this situation, uh, I'm not aware of a death at all related to the virus, but look at how many people are dying from COVID. The That's tragedy, simple. I mean we're That's simple. approaching 500,000 in this country mm-hmm. and this vaccine has the potential to halt that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think not only for yourself of who wants to get sick, I mean who wants to have a common cold if you can prevent it, right? Well, right. I mean you feel miserable and, and all of us want to go to work and be productive and enjoy life and so I don't, I don't think anyone chooses any type of illness. But the other part of this vaccine, which is so important, is this is one of the first infectious diseases where people spread it rampantly mm-hmm. before they know they're sick. Right. And just pause on that and think about it. Almost every other illness that's a communicable illness, you're manifesting some form of symptoms. Mm-hmm and the problems we have now are that people feel perfectly fine they came and visited grandma over christmas and 3 days later they came down with covid and a week after that grandma's in the icu and and they're having to live with the potential that that her infection was a result of their visiting so Part of the reason to get the vaccine isn't just to protect yourself, but so that you reduce the chance of you perpetuating that virus mm-hmm. among the population. And I think one of the true tragedies, when we step back and we look at what's happened, um, there's been so much politicization and anti-mask wearing, and it's my personal rights to do this and that. Exactly. And and I'm a little bit of a libertarian. I believe a lot in in individual personal rights. But to be a member and a part of the great society which we all enjoy living and have the privilege to live in, there are responsibilities. When I go out and drive my car back to the hospital, I'm expected to stop at the stop site, stop at the stoplight, look both directions and assume responsibility for driving my vehicle so that I don't endanger others. And wearing face masks, socially distancing, washing our hands, and I would advocate getting the vaccine as part of that, that social pact that you make as being an American citizen mm-hmm. to try to help everybody else have the same type of wonderful life that you wish for yourself, your family, uh, and your friends.
1: That makes it really simple. I love the analogy of going out and driving back to the hospital. All right, so you decide to take the vaccine, and there are four now, more mm-hmm. on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Are there any differences?
2: Well, yes. Um, you know, the, the, the first two vaccines that are available in the United States from Pfizer and Moderna to get optimal, the 95% effectiveness, require uh, two doses first dose, and then another one depending three to four weeks after the, after the first dose. The additional vaccines, which have not yet gotten approval in the United States, but we anticipate the data will support that and the the FDA will approve them, are a single-shot vaccine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have any comparison between any of them in terms of is one better than the other. And quite honestly, at, at this point in time, the supply availability is take the first one you can get.
1: That's what I've heard. I,
2: I, I, there there doesn't appear to be any difference in terms of, uh, of adverse reactions, problems, and certainly the two that are currently available have equal effectiveness to them. Um, I, you know, yeah, it's more convenient to potentially just get one shot, but um, we have a lot to learn. And it may turn out that a year from now we're finding out people need booster shots. True. So I think... Um, seize the opportunity when your community, uh, your physician office, wherever you can, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. grocery store, wherever it is that that you're being offered a vaccine, get it. And also continue the safe practices. Just getting the vaccine doesn't mean that you have to. You can stop wearing the mask and and you can go back to quote some of the bad habits that I'll admit we all had. Uh, You know, sneezing without
1: Without, (laughs) covering and,
2: and, uh, right.
1: Okay, so that's very clear. So once someone has the vaccine, Mm -hmm. then there are questions that I was asked to ask you, like grandma gets the vaccine, Mm -hmm. son doesn't have the vaccine and wants to come visit grandma. Is that safe? I would assume that's more than safe.
2: Well, we, we know there's a greater degree of safety there. So the vaccine um, is very, very effective at people getting clinically significant, recognizable COVID. What we don't know is can they get a low level of infection that still makes them a carrier? Really? Yeah. And so there's some um, that 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 data isn't completely in yet. So in the scenario that you outlined the risk is certainly that the, the visiting relative would bring covid in and it, and if grandma's had had the vaccine the appropriate amount of time for it to take its effectiveness got her, got her two shots she's got 95% protection against getting um, the, back, the the virus from from uh-huh. a relative uh-huh. so yes it it Good. does alleviate a lot of that a lot of that concern but I think it's important for people not to think, I don't need to still practice some safe...
1: Still wear the yeah, mask right. even if you have the vaccine.
2: Right. For now. For now. And part of this is an issue that you hear talked about in in the news is a concept called herd immunity. Well, we think a herd of cows or something else, but, <laughs> but we refer to that medically of people and a herd is, is, is society and the population. And that until we reach a, a level, and it's around 70% uh, of people having adequate uh, immunity, at that point, the virus doesn't have enough hosts where it can appropriately live on and replicate and, and propagate itself so that it dies out of uh, out of the population. And so I think we're really looking at not just, I'm vaccinated, I'm done, uh, but I'm vaccinated, are my neighbors vaccinated? And hopefully, quite honestly, we will never completely go back to the behaviors that we had before this. So my example, I think that we're going to see airline uh, travel, that people, subways, that people tend to wear masks a lot more. You know, when you go to Oriental countries, Because of the incredibly high density of individuals, Mm -hmm. their use of face masks is very common standard practice. They've been doing
1: that. Mm -hmm. So
2: what what we've noticed is all of the focus has been how much COVID, how many people are dying from COVID. But what isn't talked about much is we've only had a couple hundred cases of flu in the entire Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex this year. Now, in prior years, we were talking about how many people died from flu, were in the hospital from it, and although flu is not as serious an illness as COVID, what's being recognized is face masks and washing your hands and not just sneezing in the elevator and and spewing germs all over everybody is eliminating a lot of other infections, Uh so in the hospital all of the enhanced safety precautions have reduced post-operative wound infections. We're we're having healthier Good. patients, more rapid recovery, because visitors that are coming in are doing a better job of of when they're visit when they're uh, when they're visiting their their loved ones post. They're not transmitting different infectious disease agents, and just just the presence of the common cold has diminished.
1: Isn't that amazing?
2: So I think you know, hopefully you know. The learning points will be that in, you know, particular circumstances that, you know, we, we take some added precautions and that that will result in in healthier, happier lives going forward. But yes, I mean, we all want to get back to being we able do. to go to, to uh, out to dinner, to have weddings, to have parties, to, to, to do the social activity. We're, we're, so, we're social beings. We are. And the hugging and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get there. I'm very confident we'll get there. I'm sure
1: we will. (laughs) I have one final question medically, and that is, doctor, how far reaching after you've had the two shots are you safe? Do I have to come in every year now like a flu shot and get a booster or what?
2: I hate to tell you, but the truth is we don't have the answer to that yet because we didn't start developing vaccines essentially until last spring. Uh And so the the real answer will be one that evolves. Mm -hmm. If you extrapolate from the laboratory environment, there's pretty good evidence to suggest that this vaccine's probably going to be effective for at least a year. We know for certain five to six months because that's how long there's been very formal testing done. Um, We think the type of immunity is going to be um, longer lasting than that, Um, but we really won't know until Mm -hmm. the time clock kicks off and we can make those appropriate measurements to be certain. But in reality, what's so bad if instead of your annual flu shot, you're getting an annual flu shot plus that has a booster? Uh you know an analogy I'd like to use is many people remember tetanus shots. You know sure. when I grew up as a kid, shoot, we had to get them every year, every two years, then it became every five years and then ten years, depending on what you're doing. And we learned that as the as the vaccines got better, we could stretch out because the immunity got better, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen in this scenario as well. The important thing uh-huh. is we've got a highly successful vaccine that has a very low rate of any type of serious adverse effects, I mean, you know, how many shots do you get where you don't have a little bit of soreness, whether <laughs> it's a many. steroid shot or anything? Sure. Uh, there's there's always some mechanical irritation from that. Um, and you know, those of us who are a little bit older who've had to get a, uh, a, um, um, a shingles vaccine, uh, In talking with different colleagues, that's probably a lot more irritating than the COVID vaccine has Mm. been. But so you, you know, even if you get a little bit of soreness or you have a little bit of fever afterward and you have to take some Tylenol and maybe you feel a little puny for a day after, you're one of those one out of ten or so. I mean, the trade off is now that you're protected from an illness that that 400, 500,000 people have died from. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's 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 hard for me to envision that someone wouldn't want the vaccine. Now, if you're actively possibly pregnant and there, you know, there's a few scenarios where you mm-hmm. will probably want to say, okay, you know, I need I need to take a pause because we don't know what the what the immunologic reactions and all would be in that situation. But those are those that's a very unique
1: depend uh, on depend, your doctor.
2: Right. Yeah. To
1: take care of Exactly. People. Well, you've really made it simple. And these were questions that colleagues and friends and business associate, mm-hmm. associates said, Oh, would you ask him this, that, and the other? Yeah, Thank no, you I for do. making it simple. Bottom line, take it. Get it done. Do it right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the book behind me, doctor, two of them, <laughs> but the one that's uh, do it right is basically saying that. And that's why the show was built around doing it right. If we mm-hmm. just think it's simple. Do what you can and do it right. So, Doctor, before we go, I ask you to come up with some lessons learned that we call teachable points of view, meaning Ah. you're always teaching other people to be leaders and to be better. And one that I found rather humorous is you said reputation is hard to build and easy to destroy. I don't think I have to ask you to explain that, but I thought that was very clear. I love that. And then the other funny one, which says you're mm-hmm. a fun kind of guy. All right. Never hit the send button before you read it. Okay. We've oh, all, yeah. <laughs> we've all done that.
2: Especially with voice transcription. <laughs> when you're driving down the road oh. and you're trying to text a message to say, well, don't text while you drive. But <laughs> you're trying to respond one. to something. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then a couple serious,
2: especially emails, too, because, you know, we're in a social media environment and 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 you're doing a great service by providing that to people here. Um, You know, when you're having personal interactions with with people, it's a dynamic interaction back and forth. When you're sitting at your computer with your email it's very sterile it's easier to be angry it's easier to emotionally react because there's no connection to the person on the other side sort of thing Mm -hmm. so you know it's that it's you pound out the message you hit send Mm -hmm. and so what what i tell people at work is yes you have a legitimate issue to be concerned about you have a complaint you ha- you've been aggrieved type it up hit save go have a something and circle back and then reread it yeah. and think is this something that i will be proud of tomorrow because it's living forever
1: it's living forever
2: and we get passionate in the moment mm-hmm. and um uh, I think I think many individuals in the world today would love to be able to <laughs> take back take back <laughs> what will live for for posterity
1: Yes, I am sure every listener and everyone that's watching this is going yes, yes, I've lived there I've been that done that. <laughs> and then uh, on a personal level, I also appreciated when you said always, Be honest with yourself. Be the best that you can be. That goes with authenticity. Don't try to be someone that you're not. And never compromise your personal values. That's something that, doctor, I hate to say it, but I see it. I see Mm -hmm. times when, oh, there's that. It's easier to tell the little white lie because then everything's smoothed over or, well, I really don't have to mention that or, you know? Mm-hmm. So the moment we compromise our integrity, it can sh- spiral well, down. Yeah,
2: you know, in, in the medical field, and it's not perfect, I'd like to think that that um, overall we're pretty darn good and, and we do a great service to our patients. Um, and there are, unfortunately, doctors that don't do a good job. We hear about those tragedies and, and and circumstances where there's fraud. And when you go back, that's how it gets started. Mm. It, it's the one compromise of, I'm going to sh- cut this corner short. Really? I'm going to, well, you know, I'm going to do this extra operation and maybe it'll help them, maybe it won't. And, and, and they deviate from the science and they deviate from their personal commitment and the, and the oath that they've taken to, to practice medicine. And so I, I, what you're doing is great. People have to, have to remember that. And I think whether you're practicing medicine and, and you're doing things, you know, at, at, at a highly skilled level that I am, or you're, you know, integrally important in, in our environment in the hospital are the individuals who come by to provide environmental services in the rooms it makes the environment for the patient better whether that's removing the trash opening the drapes to let some sunlight in you know cleaning the surface and those individuals have a, a tremendous amount of pride maybe that educationally or maybe they didn't have opportunities that other people had yeah but but I work with some amazing people who have wonderful pride in that accomplishment, and they know they're contributing uh-huh. to the wellness of our patients mm-hmm. in a different way than I, are, than I am, but our entire team has that. and It's one of the reasons that, that I, I enjoy so much and have had a great career uh, at Baylor is because we, we have a family that takes a team approach to, to patient-centric care, and it's great.
1: That is the best thing you could say. A family and a team when you're in the industry that you're in. Mm-hmm. Thank you, doctor, for coming.
2: Well, I My, just... my privilege. I'd <laughs> love to do this.
1: Well, you've just made it so simple and I'm just all a right. simple-minded person, so I, I can grasp all that. Okay. Uh, in closing, obviously, I always want to say, you know what? I would love the opportunity to work with any of you who want to make your mark and make it count by building your brand, by showing up authentically with your presence, by being able to give the kinds of value that Dr. Whelan has talked about today and that anyone in any working situation can give. So if that's of interest to you, all you have to do is email me, Valerie at ValerieandCompany.com. Let's chat. Let's just talk about it. And Dr. Whelan, where can we reach you if anyone in the audience might have further questions? Well, uh,
2: at, at Baylor, um, 469 878 87815 is my professional office. Um, and I, I specialize in, I'm an electrician. So I do cardiology, but I actually um, have a subspecialty. In, in the field of clinical electrophysiology, so pacemakers, defibrillators, ablations—we we kind of rewire the heart. From a so, I'm you not will. a plumber. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't do the Roto-Rooter and the blockage stuff. I have partners that we work with on the team that do that. Okay. Uh, and that, but but if someone had some sort of question, that would be uh, a great way to do it.
1: That's awesome. I don't know that I've ever had anyone give a phone number. So thank you for that, doctor. Yeah. Thank you, you for bet. being on the show.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. My, my honor.
1: I have a valerie for you today. And here it is. Humility looks good on everyone. (laughs) Do I need to say anything else? I don't think so. In this day and time, egos are just... Nobody wants to work with someone that's got such a high ego that they can't even listen to something that you're saying. And when you're in a leadership position, don't ever forget where you come from and what brought you. Humility looks good on everyone. And that's my Valerieism for today.
0: Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieandCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.